Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. I've entitled the morning's message, The Two Beasts and the Dragon. And I'm not going to read what Paul read. We've already gone through it, but basically we're dividing the chapter in, into um, two main characters, a political world leader and um, a religious leader that is, I guess you would call him the equivalent to uh, John the Baptist, what John, John the Baptist would have been to our Lord Jesus. This false prophet would be to the Antichrist. So in chapter 12, leading up to it, um, we have seven personages that are introduced to us by the seventh trumpet, five of whom we've met in chapter 12. So we're going back to chapter 12, and the ones that we were introduced to last week was the woman, who is Israel, the red dragon, who is Satan, the child of the woman, which is Christ, Michael, the archangel, and then the remnant of Israel who are going to make it through the great tribulation. Now, in chapter 13, uh, we're gonna be introduced to two more individuals. Uh, One is the wild beast that comes out of the sea. He is both a political power and a person. Uh, The other is the wild beast that comes out of the earth. He is a religious leader. And here's where the action actually comes into play between these uh, two personages. Uh, Here is where the Lord sort of, how can I put it? He takes his hands off and he allows the Antichrist, Satan, to have what he has always wanted. The reason for the fall in the first place, we read about in Isaiah and Ezekiel, it was because of his pride that was lifted up. But more than that, he wanted to be worshipped. And this is now his opportunity, and this gonna, we're going to see this happening actually in chapter 13, where the whole world will worship, or else, <laughs> literally, as, as, we, as we get into this. But just to connect chapter 12 with chapter 13, we know that there was war in heaven, according to verse seven. And it says, Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels. And Michael and his angels prevailed. And Satan was cast out. And as a result of being cast out with his angels, it tells us in verse 13, um, when the dragon saw that he had been cast down to the earth, he persecuted the woman. Now again, the woman is Israel, who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for time and a times and half a times. Again, another way of saying three and a half years. He wants to destroy Israel, but um, uh, Israel supernaturally protected We read in verse 15, so the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood 
I believe that's symbolism for actually an army, after the woman, that might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. So he can't get to them. We spent quite a bit of time, um, my personal belief that this is uh, Selah or Petra, and we showed pictures of it last week. If you were here, just uh, what, what an incredible fortress it is. And um, he can't get to them. So we read in this last verse here, he was so enraged with the woman that he went to make war with the rest of her offspring and kept, who kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And now we just have the word then. So it's a continuing thought. There's, we'll look at verse uh, one and two here. It says, then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast riding out of the sea having seven heads and 10 horns and on his horns, 10 crowns and on his head were blasphemous names. Now, the beast which I saw was like a leopard and his feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion and the dragon and the dragon, of course, again, is Satan, uh, gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. So this first beast here is actually, how do I say it best? It's, it's a twofold situation that, that's happening here with the first beast. Remember, it's two beasts and the dragon. The dragon here is, of course, Satan, and I believe stands on the sands of the sea and it is he who brings the wild beast out of the sea and dominates him. So what we're gonna have happening here is I believe this man that we're talking about right here, the Antichrist, is alive today and he's just waiting for his time and it's not Donald Trump, (laughs) okay? I've done the math from uh, uh, verse 18. And so what we have here is power and authority being given to him. So somehow he's interconnected directly with the devil himself. So when I say it's twofold, this first beast, remember he's going to be assassinated and then come back. And it's going to be so astounding to the world that they're going to say, who can fight against this man? And it says they worship, we'll read a little bit later, they worship the dragon who gave power to the beast. So as we look at these first couple verses here, what I mean twofold, we have Satan directly involved, whether um, another demon possesses him, how he comes back to life, whether it's a false resurrection, whether it's a real resurrection, all we know is the world marvels at the fact that this guy's alive again. I've always, I've always likened it to um, uh, JFK down in Dallas, and um, everybody remembers where you were, right? I was in sixth grade or seventh grade coming home for lunch, and I got back, and it was breaking news at one o'clock, and everybody knows exactly where they were, exactly what they were doing. 
had a chance to visit um, that library when I went to a pre-trib conference down in Dallas. They've been having them for 30 years now, I think. And I had a couple days off, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go down there. I actually want to see where this unfolded. And I was actually able to go into the library. Back in, I don't know if they still allow it this, uh, to this day. But I went to the very window that um, J. Harvey Oswald took that rifle and killed President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And it was a surreal experience for me, just being there. What was weird about it, boy, am I getting sidetracked already? What? (laughs) My sister's daughter was getting married in Virginia. So I flew from Dallas to Virginia, and I thought, wait a second, this is where they buried JFK at Arlington Cemetery. So in the same week, I actually saw where it took place, but in that very same week, I was able to visit Arlington and the uh, torch that will be for forever lit in memory of it. Where are you going with all this, Dwight? Well, imagine after being pronounced dead that JFK gets up off of his gurney and he comes outside and says, how you doing, everybody? Would all the world marvel at that after Walter Cronkite pronounced him dead and broke down in tears? It's also fresh, even after all these years that, that, that this has happened, I can still um, bring that, it's not my notes. But the comparison here and the result that it's gonna have on the human psyche that he'd have the ability to do this will cause the world really to marvel. Now in verses three through 10, we read, I saw one of his heads that it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And you say, people would never physically worship the devil. Do you know that that's actually happening and it's on the increase today? It's actually happening and become a trend. Uh, that, that's... Um, I call it preconditioning for what I think is going to happen here. And all the world marveled and followed the beast, so they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? We can't kill this guy. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was con- given authority to continue for 42 months. All right, let's make a contrast here. 42 months is another way of saying what? Okay, go back to verse 14 of chapter 12. Um, The remnant is given a place to be secure in Petra for a time, singular, times, plural. That's that's two, and then a half a time. uh, That's three. Dwight, you don't want to add (laughs) and a half. There we have three and a half years. Sometimes it's 1,260. Sometimes it's times, times, and half the times. Here, we're told it's 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. 
And this is what he's pursuing. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So now we have a world leader when there hasn't been a world leader since the fall of the Roman Empire. They were the last one. And then we read, and all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life, uh, slain from the foundation of the world. This is to get our attention. If anyone has an ear, you guys want to check it out? Just make sure it's there. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. But here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now what we've read thus far, um, an understanding of the prophecies of Daniel is very important to understand if we're gonna understand the book of Revelation. The wild beast is similar in description to the four beasts Uh, the nondescript beast, in the seventh chapter of Daniel. Uh, There it represents the prophetic history of the Roman Empire down to the little horn and his destruction. The fourth beast looks like it uh, became dominant for a little while, and then out of its seven heads there came ten horns, uh, one of which came a little horn, And the little horn put together uh, three of the horns and was able to overtake the seven. Now it could be either way. He either dominates seven and gets the other three to go along or he dominates three and gets the other seven to come along. Either way, um, I'm gonna have you turn at this time to the book of Daniel, chapter seven. Amazing the amount of extra detail that we have. I'm gonna put something up on the screen right now to help you get a better feel of our uh, verses that we're going to be looking at here. So in Daniel 7, let's pick it up and we will read up to verse 7 and I'll stop and I'll explain the reason why I'm stopping at 7. Daniel 7 verse 1. Now, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions. What I want to point out here is plural, visions plural. And on his head, while on his bed, then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. And Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion that had plucked wings. I watched till the wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth, made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Let me just stop and comment on this first one here. As you look at the chart, um, what we have in chapter seven is the same thing that we have in the image in 
um, chapter 2. Only one is described as a metallic image, and these here are described as wild beasts. There is some differences here. But it tells us when Daniel interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar, he says, you're the top one. You're, you're, the, you're the crown of gold. And, and then in chapter three, after he has this vision, uh, there's, there's different elements to the image. And it, it, we find out Daniel's telling him, you're on top right now, but you're gonna be overtaken by silver. Uh, that's the bear, or the Medo Persian Empire. And then by brass, uh, that would been um, Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. And then legs of iron and feet of clay and also toes are going to be comprised of this image. Now the reason I want to stop a little bit and I'm uh, telling you here that the first lion, I believe, is Nebuchadnezzar himself. Now remember... Um, because he exalted himself and made a whole image of just gold. And that's going to tie into our, our study today. Um, he got lifted up in pride. God had to humble him. And how did he humble him? It says he became like a wild creature. He had long hair, long fingernails. And he went out and lived in the wilderness, it says, for seven times. Is that seven months? Is that seven years? Answer, I don't know. But the result of it was, at the end of that seven season, the Bible says he came to his senses. And uh, those that were under him sought him out and restored him to his position. When I read here that this lion had his wings plucked, I believe that's his pride being taken and was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet. Well, before that, he was going around like a wild animal. And I actually believe that this is a picture of Nebuchadnezzar being restored, standing once again now on his two feet. All right, verse five. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it was raised up on its side, had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, And they said, thus to it, arise, devour much flesh. The bear here would would have been the Medes and the Persians. And when we went through Daniel, um, we know that um, this all happened in one night. The Medes and the Persians had diverted the Euphrates River. The walls of Babylon were 300 feet high. The towers were 450 feet high. And when you got to the top of the 300 feet of the walls of Babylon, you could drive four chariots abreast all the way around the city. And so they have no fear. And they think there's no way they could possibly ever be defeated militarily. So you know the story back here, the last part, how the Lord got um, uh, Belshazzar. Um, Babylon fell in one night. Here comes a hand, begins writing on the wall, meeny, meeny, tekel, upharsin. Usually I never say it right, and I still don't know if I'm saying it right now. <laughs> but at least it gives us the meaning. 
The interpretation is, in each word, meaning God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you will have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Perez, uh, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And then Belshazzar gave a command. Um, if anybody could read the writing, that he would promote him. But verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius Sabid received the kingdom. All in one night, this happened. So when we read here in verse five, uh, we find the fall of the lion and the rising of the bear, which would have been the meat of Persians. They took it in one night. And after this I looked, and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings like a bird. The beast also had heads, and dominion was given to it. Now the four wings, of course, we're talking about Alexander the Great here. And in other places, um, um, here the four wings of a bird refer to his four generals who would take over his kingdom when he died at the age of 32, 33, something like that. So the leopard here would be Greece and Alexander the Great and his generals. Now verse seven. After this I saw in the night vision and behold a fourth beast Dreadful, terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. And it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now I want to stop here because we have a gap between verse 7 and 8. Are you guys catching on as we go through the Old and New Testament together? There could be a change of thought real quick and gaps of time in between. I think the one that we mentioned on either Wednesday night or, or Sunday was, um, um, oh, Dwight, why do you do that? You get yourself in trouble and do that. Uh, the prophecy in uh, Matthew from Zechariah, and it'll come to me in a minute. But it's completely out of context, but it's directly, Matthew quotes it, and it says this comes from the book of Zechariah. And it was a, a, a clear prophecy, and I hope you remember it before the end of the study is over. What happens between verse seven and eight is a gap. And what we have up to verse seven is history. It's talking about the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is the last world-dominating empire that has ruled the entire earth. That's what we have in verse seven. But in verse eight, we switch, and there's a gap, and now we're in Revelation 13. And I'll connect those dots in in a little bit. So I have right in my my notes here, um, matter of fact, my side reference notes, I was considering the horns, And there was another horn, a little horn, coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. What we have here we like to call the revived Roman Empire. There will be, out of Europe, the uh, European Union, Um, somebody who comes out 
that's going to bring these two together, even though we have this gap in time. And uh, Daniel talks much about it. Now in verse 9 through 10, we have um, information after the Antichrist is destroyed. So again, this is jumping all over the place. Verse 9 says, Daniel said, I watched until thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousand ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated. The books were open. We're talking about the judgment. So we're going from um, when the Antichrist comes into his power. And now we have a gap. And it actually goes past his three and a half years. And um, we find... Um, Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. Now back to the Antichrist in verse 11. We find uh, verse 11. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking and I watched till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning fire. I want you to keep your finger here, please, and turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 19. This is the battle of Armageddon. We're talking about the Antichrist and the false prophet. We read in, after the Lord comes, who's king of kings and lord of lords, and he speaks the word, and he judges those that are coming against Jerusalem. And the first order of business in 19, verse 19, I saw the beast, okay, this is the Antichrist. The kings of the earth and the armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured. This is what Daniel's talking about. And with him the false prophet. So now we're going to read the fate here of what eventually happens to the two beasts that we're studying in Revelation 13. They captured the false prophet and the beast who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Uh, the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on it, and all the birds were filled with his flesh. Back to Daniel 7, verse 11. And now we have Daniel prophesying what we just read in Revelation. I'm going to read it again. Verse 11, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. Clearly, the Antichrist. I watched till the beast was slain, and its body destroyed, and it was given to what? The burning flame. Exactly what we're told about the lake of fire. And it's foretold here. All right, let's look at verse um, 12 at this time. 
And for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominions taken away. In other words, as the battle of Armageddon is over, so they don't have dominion anymore. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. That means they're gonna have to stand before the great white throne judgment. Now look, verses 13 and 14. Again, now we're going back to the plurality of the visions. I was watching in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the Ancient of Days. So we have a picture here of the Father and the Son. And they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion in contrast to what? All the other worldly kingdoms that existed that came and went, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Now, is that good news? (laughs) Good place for an amen? Do we know what lies ahead? Can anything change what I just read? Heaven and earth will pass away, my friends, but God's word will not pass away. The world's gonna go through hell before it gets there. Fortunately, we have not been appointed to wrath, but um, we know, at least we know, that God has a purpose and a plan that he's going to, for you and I, and his is an everlasting kingdom. Now, Daniel, after taking this all in in verses um, 15, he was grieved within his body, and the vision of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all this, and so he told me, and he made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts which are four, four kings which will rise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Now, from 19 to the rest of the chapter, Daniel's intrigued. He especially wants to know about this fourth um, beast with the horns. So the rest of this chapter is going to be designated to what we're studying in Revelation chapter 13. Verse 19. This is Daniel saying, I want to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, and which had teeth of iron, nails of bronze, devoured, broken pieces, trampled the residue with his feet. And about the, what about those ten horns that were on his head? And about that other horn which came up uh, before which three fell, namely the horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. And I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints. Remember Revelation 13, verse 7? It said power was given to him to overcome the saints. And here Daniel is talking about it from his perspective. Until, in other words, the Antichrist will be prevailing against all and any, then there's the until the Ancient of Days came 
And a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. I want to stop at this point, and as we think back on, on this, the kingdom being given over uh, to us, just turn quickly to Psalm, if you would, Psalm 110. I'll give you a second to get there. Again, with all the crazy stuff that's going on in this crazy world, um, these are really encouraging verses for the church, great promises. And if you're in Psalm 110, we have again the Trinity. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. This would be the Father speaking to the Son. Sit here. Now when Jesus was taken up, we talked about it on Wednesday, um, we find him sitting at the right hand of, of the Father. He says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be your volunteers in the day of your power. And in the beauty of holiness, is that wonderful wording, from the womb of the morning, you will have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn he will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Well, this is a whole Bible study within itself because one of the reasons the Jewish people will not accept Jesus today as their Messiah is he's the lion from the tribe of Judah. In order to be a, um, a high priest, you had to be a Levite, period, slam dunk. You don't, don't argue with me, he's gotta be a Levite. But in Hebrews, and I believe it's Paul, he gives a whole chapter explaining that Jesus is a high priest not after the order of the Levites, but after the order of Melchizedek. Now the interesting thing about this guy, he doesn't have any family. He's always been and he always will be. And Melchizedek is what I call a Christophanes or an Old Testament appearance of the Lord. And so he's a priest forever. Um, what's the job of a priest? To always intercede for you and I. He's our defense attorney. So when you sin and the enemy says, you sinned, you're not gonna make it, lays a condemnation trip on you and does as much as he can to discourage you, our Lord and Savior and high priest and advocate for you and I said, Father, I died for that one. It's true that his guilt was there, but I took his sin and I gave him my righteousness. He's clean. Case dismissed. You're innocent. Continually living forever after the order of Melchizedek. We'll read up to verse seven. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the days of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the place with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up the head. Back to, and let's finish up in Daniel. Um, And let's read chapter seven, and we'll finish uh, picking it up in verse 19. We read all the way, no, we read through 22, okay. Um, From 23 to the end of the chapter, um, it tells us 
the interpretation of the fourth beast. The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it and break it in pieces. Now the ten horns are ten kings. This is important. Who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them, and he will be different from the first ones, and he will subdue three kings. And he speaks pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and he shall intend to change the times and the laws. And then the saints will be given into his hand for a time, a time, and half a time. So there again we have, right in the middle of Revelation 13, the last three and a half years, God has hands off and he has total control. He gets what he's always wanted and that is to be worshiped. Um, What did he tell Jesus when he was tempting Jesus? Um, If you'll get down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And it says in a moment's time, he showed all the glory of all the kingdoms and he says, you want them? I'll give them to you. All you have to do is get down and worship me. Get behind me, Satan. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou worship. Amen? But those are temptations that can easily sidetrack many a Christian. Materialism, pursuits of anything other than seeking first um, the kingdom of heaven. And it's something that we wrestle with daily. Um, I like to, and I don't like to sing, you have to die daily. And the problem is that it's so daily. (laughs) (laughs) that's the problem with dying daily (laughs) it's a daily thing that you have to do so then this whole thing here more attention is given to this fourth beast than to all the other three put together this section is very important to us because we are living in the times of the four beasts where these ten kings are going to come together the time when the ten toes and horns are beginning to manifest themselves. I have to tell you the story. We know that the Antichrist is going to come out of the revived Roman Empire. Back in 1981, I was, I was asking my wife to check my math today as I'm coming over here. Honey, is that 39 years ago? She said, yeah, it's 39 years ago. Well, 39 years ago, um, the Appleton YMCA to create something for the teenagers to do on New Year's Eve to keep them out of trouble and that kind of stuff. They would um, have fun night. They'd play basketball, racquetball, you know, just play games and have, have a good time. And, but they would also ask a local pastor to come in and because it's the first of the year, New Year, can you put some sort of hope or some sort of vision before them for the coming year? All right, let me tell you what I was going through at the time. Very, very much aware that there were nine countries that made up the European Union. Nine, okay? That is, a week before, in 1981, Greece became 10, okay? Can you imagine what I'm thinking? (laughs) I gave a Bible study that night that they they had no idea what I was talking about. (laughs) I mean, 
but I was gonna get it off. To me, this is it. It's happened, just like the Bible says. We have the 10, we've been watching, seven, eight, nine. Then there was Greece. And I wasn't sure if it was Greece or Spain, so I Googled it. It was Greece, 1981. And so I gave a Bible study that night that I said, Jesus is coming soon. And it's in place now for this to happen. I was a little off. That was 39 years ago, gang. I went to 15, went to 20. It's 27 now today. So what we have in view here is something different than, than um, what's the way this is gonna be divided up. My personal conviction, you might have your own, is simply this, that the world is gonna be, not only have its times and seasons changed by the Antichrist, but he's gonna be ruler and it's gonna be cut up into, I believe, 10 different sections, and over each one of those sections will be their own king. But they'll all be in submission to the Antichrist himself. So I thought I'd throw in that story. Let's go back and look at the second beast in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 13, picking it up in verse 11. So verses one through 10, are about the first beast and 11 through 18 is about the beast but more importantly the false prophet. Uh, Let's read 11 through 15 for starters. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. Well the first one came out of the sea and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast whose wound was, uh, was wounded by the sword and lived. Now, a little later on when we get to chapter 17 and 18, we're gonna find that the religious center of the world, this uh, 17 and 18 is actually happening right here. It brings more information. But what happens is because the Antichrist will not have anybody else worshipped except him. But there's a problem because they have a one world religion and it's got to go. And we're told that this city is destroyed. It's a city on seven hills. That city is Rome. And it's a, a place of one world uh, worship, but we'll, when we get to 17, that's what clearly is laid out there. So what we have here in 11 through 15, we have, um, I'll give you the second uh, beast here who's given power. We read, uh, where we leave off? Verse 13, verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by the signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth 
that they have to make an image to the beast who is wounded and who is sword and lived. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. All right. I don't know if you were here a couple of weeks ago. We played a little video clip of artificial intelligence and a robot that was a cop. I would not, if I would walk up to this person on the street, I would swear she was a human being. You have interaction with them. You can talk to them. You can ask them questions. And all of a sudden, we have technology like that today. Are you saying that's what this is? I don't know. But um, there's an image that's made, and um, power is given that it can speak, and as anybody that doesn't worship, the image of the beast should be killed. What I want to do next is give you the New Testament teaching and an Old Testament picture. So for the teaching of what we just read right here, you need to turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul teaches this to the Thessalonians. It concerns the rapture and the day of the Lord. And we read in verse three, let's pick it up there. Paul says, don't let anyone deceive you by any means. For that day, the the day of the Lord, um, or the tribulation period, it will not come unless the falling away comes first. Now I believe there is a great falling away today from biblical Christianity. And the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. That's who we're talking about here. And then in verse four, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshiped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's what we're reading in this, this image of himself. Paul says, don't you remember when I was with you that I told you these things? I usually like to stop here and just do a reality check. Um, I want you to know these Christians were less than a month old in the Lord. And he's giving in-depth, this, in, in, this is in-depth stuff. Somebody want to give me an amen on that? I mean, he's laying it all before them. And we should never take the attitude, well, this is too deep for people or too heavy for people. No, we need to be totally aware, it doesn't matter how young you are in the Lord or how old you are in the Lord, we have to have this stuff under our belt. So when we see a commercial and all of a sudden, here, here's an here's a artificial intelligent being and what we should be thinking of, first thing that comes to our head is Revelation 13. The Bible talks about these sort of things. Paul says, don't you remember the man of sin's gotta come? He's gonna go into the temple of God showing himself that he is God. That's the New Testament teaching. Now I wanna give you the Old Testament picture and to do that we need to go to um, Daniel chapter three. So let's go back to Daniel. Can you see how wonderfully intertwined the book of Daniel is with the book of Revelation? 
So in Daniel chapter three, pick it up in verse one. This is um, Nebuchadnezzar's defiance. Nobody's gonna take over my kingdom. So he makes his own image. But this one's all of gold. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubics and its width was six cubics. Aren't those interesting numbers? <laughs> and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to, to um, his, his satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, flute, the harp, lyre, psaltery, in symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship him will be cast immediately into the midst of fire. So at that time, all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, symphony, and all kinds of music. All the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image which King Nebuchadnezzar had made. What's the picture of here? Either you worship or what? You die. Well, there's three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And all the thousands of people that must have been there, can you imagine? They're not gonna do that. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou worship. You shall not make any graven images to bow down to or worship except the Lord. So here's these three guys sticking out like sore thumbs. And um, of course, hopefully you know the rest of the story. I like to say for every New Testament teaching, we have an Old Testament picture. I mean, right down to the measurements of 60 cubics and six cubics wide, where you have the sixes coming together. Let's go back and see if we can start sewing this thing up. Two, um, uh, let's see. Let's go back to Revelation 13. We left off in 15. If you don't worship the image, he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. If you don't worship the beast, you are killed. So now, in order to do... um, Business, um, you don't use paper money. You have a mark on your forehead or on your arm. Um, Everybody here is well aware of the the technology that exists today for this to easily happen. I think I made the point a couple weeks ago, you know that they don't take cash at Lambeau anymore? They do not take cash at Lambeau Field. Plastic only. I think it's Sweden... It might be the Netherlands and one of those countries, they've done away with it all completely. And you can read article after article about the death of the dollar. Not death of money, but a form of currency that is global. 
And that's where a lot of this is headed. And it's going to be, get there a lot quicker if the wrong party gets in power. And again, I'll let you guys think that one through for yourself. And then it says here, and then no one could buy or sell except the one that has the mark or the name of the beast. You're not going to buy groceries. You won't be able to interact or buy anything unless you have the currency of the Antichrist. Bottom line. Or the number of his name. That's as we um, begin to wind us up here in this last verse. It says, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man. And if anybody doesn't know anything about the book of Revelation, at least they've heard about 666, right? This is where it, this is where it comes from. It's the name or the mark, but it says you've got to calculate it to find out what the name is. Well, here's what's interesting about the Hebrew alphabet. Each of the 22 letters that make up the Hebrew alphabet have a numerical value attributed to it. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each one of them has a mathematical equivalency to that particular letter. It's my speculation that that's how the calculating would be done. But again, that's just um, my, my personal opinion on that. Okay, we are going to close now by turning to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Come on, John, where are you? Here you are. 1 John 2, picking it up in verse 18. There is going to be the Antichrist. He will head up the revived Roman Empire, but there are many Antichrists already. That's not the one that's we studied about this morning. If you're in 1 John 2, it says in verse 18, little children, it is the last hour and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Can I just stop here and ask you to think about what we just, we just read? What's the implication here? First of all, John thinks he's in the last days. Little children, it's the last hour. And you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. So if he said that in what, um, 80 AD, that many years ago, and they were expecting it to happen then, simple question is, how late is it anyway? How close are we? If he was saying it was the last hour back then, and then he says, even now many, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Skip down to verse 22. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is a Christ, he is an antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Now, we read, if you flip over to 1 John chapter 4, we'll look at verses 1 through 3. And we'll leave it with that. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Why? 
because many false prophets have gone out into the world. But this you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is a spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already is in the world. And if you go down to verse seven, tying this all together, this attitude of gratitude that's so needed right now and hope that the world needs and not to put our hope in this world, we read in verse seven, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I remember the first time that struck me between the eyes. The pure love of God actually has a form, has a face, and Revelation 22, four says, and they shall see his face. What does his face look like? Love. What does love look like? The face of God. <laughs> Talked my way around that one, didn't I? In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might have life through him. So let's close with the gospel. You have the Lord Jesus Christ. We have this blessed hope. And it tells us here, if you have him, that you will have life through him. And you'll know the truth. Truth will set you free. Amen? Let's stand and we'll pray. Lord, we thank you as we're making our way through the book of Revelation. We stand amazed as we consider um, how the Holy Spirit has so intertwined the book of Daniel with the book of Revelation. And Lord, as we go our separate ways, we do close this morning by praying for our country for this election that is forthcoming. Um, uh, We just are comforted knowing, Lord, that you have a perfect plan and that you're sovereign. So, Lord, we are grateful. And help us demonstrate your love, Um, not to love the world. Let us touch it ever so lightly. And help us uh, be that wise servant, Lord, that found himself watching and waiting for your return. In Jesus' name I pray, all God's people said.